So if that's your goal is impact, then give away your book for free. Then talk on stage for free. Then get your message out there in the format of a bunch of pages stapled together. But if your goal is sales, you got to do something different. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Larry Roberts back with another awesome episode of the Readily Random Podcast. Our guest today is an award-nominated international speaker. How cool is that? Number one best-selling author of How to Heal and the founder of the Aspiring Author Incubator and the Book Writing Blueprint, through which she helps entrepreneurs and aspiring authors take their books from idea to published in less than five hours a week so they can get it into the hands of their perfect readers. Named a 2020 Young Entrepreneur to Watch by Idea Minch, she has been featured in over 160, wow, media outlets, including Thrive Global, Refinery29, and Elite Daily, and has spoken to thousands of people around the world through groups like Penn State University, LeaderCast Now, and the Institute on Violence, Abuse, and Traumas International Summit. Outside of her professional life, Jessie holds a bachelor's in psychology from the University of Minnesota, and this is my favorite part here, is a canine search and rescue handler with her dog, Phoebe. Jessie Beyer, welcome to the Readily Random Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, we struggled a little bit on that intro, although most people aren't going to hear that. Uh, I have to apologize because I'm normally a little bit smoother than that. <laughs> hey, no worries. No worries. Maybe I need to take another pass and add a few more commas in there. But <laughs> Maybe I need to read more often. Maybe that's Maybe I need to read more often. I think we all could do that, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think reading makes people better humans, better entrepreneurs. They know themselves better. I think there's no downside to reading more. That's so cool that you are a rescue dog handler. How does that come into play? Help me understand that because I love dogs. I have uh, two at the house now. One's a rescue. Of course, if you have a rescue dog, you have to tell everybody it's a rescue, right? It's kind of like being Absolutely. vegan, right? We got to tell everybody you're <laughs> vegan, right? Or CrossFit. There's all kinds of fun ones, but that's one of them specifically. And then I have another one, which is my little baby dog. Uh, her name is Sophie. So uh, I do love my dogs. Tell me more about your dog handling. Absolutely. So my dog's name is Phoebe. Like we just heard, she is a Brittany, which if you aren't familiar with that breed, it's a little brown and white bird dog pretty much. Uh, but I got her my senior year of college. And I knew when I got her that I wanted to do search and rescue with her. When I was in college, before I got into entrepreneurship, I was looking to go into the military, into a search and rescue based career. That unfortunately didn't work out because of my medical history and passing questionnaires without lying was not an option. So I decided, okay, how can I kind of replicate this in the civilian world? And so I was like, search and rescue, I'm going to do that. And I love dogs just like you. So I'm going to do that with my dog. And we just got started. It's been a insane journey. I mean, so many ups and downs. I think I've cried more times during search and rescue training than I have anywhere else, uh, but it's the best. I mean, it is so much fun to see her having fun. It is so much fun to work with my best friend every day and, and do something that benefits people. That's amazing. That is really amazing. I don't think my chihuahuas, either one of them, would uh, would do quite well with search and rescue. I think right now she's curled up in there on a on a super microfiber blanket, and that's pretty much what she does ninety nine percent of the time. So, but, well, <laughs> but, well, I will say this: in one of my search and rescue training classes, we had a Great Dane. So, other end of the spectrum from your dog, but not one that you would traditionally think of as a search and rescue dog. So, I mean, the doors are open. Wow, that is amazing! I can just see little Sophie running around, a little legs just a scurrying through the forest, <laughs> looking for somebody that's lost out there. That would be a that'd be quite a sight. But, anyways. <laughs> So tell me about writing. How did you get into writing? And then how did that lead you down the path of helping others write as well? 
Mm -hmm. So I was one of those kids that's been a writer from the day that I knew what a pencil was. I remember when I was in first grade, my teacher oh so helpfully would staple these pages of paper together and I'd just be writing picture books and little tiny chapter books as much as I could. And so I always kind of had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to be a writer, that I wanted to write. I briefly considered journalism and then decided to go another path. But when I got into college and again, I was approaching my capstone project, I was like, I don't really want to write a lit review. Like I've written so many lit reviews. I'm not interested in writing another. So I was like, well, let me write a book instead because I've always wanted to do that. You know, I think I have a lot of information that could really help people. For those of you who aren't familiar with my book, it's about different natural and integrative trauma therapies. I have a history with trauma and things like that. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to write a book. And so I went up to my advisor and was like, hey, so I know this is supposed to be a lit review, but can I write a book instead? It's going to be like 10 times as long and require a million times more research. So I don't see what the issue is. And uh, he was like, no, you have to write a lit review. Like that's the process. We wouldn't know how to grade a book. And I was like, how do you not know how to grade a book? Like read it. But anyway, so like any... <laughs> Like any self-respecting entrepreneur, I uh, spent the entire semester writing my book and then spent the last three hours before the lit review was due writing the lit review. So that was kind of how I got started in writing. Again, I always knew it was something I wanted to help people do. And then after my book came out and it did really well, uh, helped me grow my business, helped me reach more people. I you know, started getting questions from other entrepreneurs of, hey, how did you do this? How do you write a book? I've always wanted to write a book. And so naturally that meant that I had to start working with aspiring authors as well. Well, you know, it's, it is interesting because you do hear that question quite a bit. And there, there, there's quite a few author coaches that are out there as well that are kind of doing something similar. How do you differentiate yourself from from the others that are out there? Because I'll tell you, I, I I wrote a book and I love my writing coach. She's tremendous. She helped me tremendously. She she followed through on what the plan was, and that was to get an Amazon number one best selling book, right? But you know, kind of after you nail that out, you figure out, oh, it's just math. That's anybody could be an Amazon number one bestseller with uh, pretty much a blog post because that's essentially what my book was—a blog post with a cover on it. Uh, so I, I don't even tell people that I have a book 99% of the time, unless I'm talking to someone like yourself. So how do you differentiate yourself from those other author coaches and those that are helping entrepreneurs write their books to target their ideal re readers and potentially ideal clients? Absolutely. So I'm going to answer that question part two before part one, sure. but part two comment is just about that Amazon bestseller status. And there's some people that are like all about that. And that's all that you're going for. And once you get that, then your life is easy. And there's other people that are like, that doesn't mean anything. It's worthless. I am somewhere in the middle in that. I think becoming an Amazon bestseller is amazing. I think you earn that title of bestselling author. Comment number two about how I'm different is one of the biggest kind of tropes that you see in the self-publishing world and the book writing world for entrepreneurs is write and publish your book in 90 days is let's take some blog posts, like you were saying, and throw it together and put it up on Amazon. And now we're an author. And it's that type of environment and that type of mentality that I'm very much against. I think that not only do you miss out on a lot of logistical and marketing opportunities with review timelines, publicity timelines, and things like that, but it also breeds a book that doesn't allow you to put a lot of yourself into it. I think that the books that make the most impact on the readers and change the most lives are the ones where you as the author pour everything into it. Your successes, your failures, your traumas, the happiest moments of your life when you are putting yourself into it. 
And if the mentality with which you're approaching your book is let's get it done as quickly as possible, you're going to miss out on that. So I really focus on helping heart-centered, impact-driven entrepreneurs become actual authors, not just people who have pressed, pressed the submit button on Amazon. So that's probably the biggest way that I'm different. The other thing that I'd say is that I kind of pride myself on being the one-stop shop in the sense that there's writing coaches and there's publishing coaches and there's marketing coaches, but the program that I offer, the Aspiring Author Incubator, it's everything. It takes you from saying, hey, I think I want to write a book all the way through post-publication marketing. So you don't have to kind of piecemeal it together. It's all in one stop for you. Oh, that's really, really cool because most of that is left up to the author or you know the, the new author uh, that has absolutely no idea how to market a book. And you think that writing the book, people are just going to buy it. Well, that's probably not going to happen. Matter of fact, it's not going to happen. It's like having a podcast and expecting to break into the top 10 charts on iTunes. Not going to happen. So what are some of the things that we can look for? What are some of the things that we could do to A, know that we need to write a book that people want to read? How do we write a book that people want to read? Most of us aren't authors. As entrepreneurs, we're more focused on our business and growing our business and making money as compared to telling a compelling story that's going to grab a reader's attention and keep them glued to their seat and turning those pages, whether it's on your Kindle or whether it's in an actual book form. How do they do that? Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of pieces to this. The first is the impact and the second is the growth. So with the impact, that's where you have the storytelling. That's where you have the message. And a lot of people, especially those who write kind of self-help or memoir or business growth or something in which they're telling their story in the book, they're like, okay, cool. I'm just going to sit down and I'm going to write my story and it's going to be an awesome book. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but no one cares about your story. I mean that in the most loving way possible because they care about themselves. Yes. They care about what your story can do for them. Yes. So yes, tell your story, talk about your story, talk about what happened, talk about what you learned, but then share that in a way that they can apply it to their lives. So for example, I could have written a book about my mental health struggles and I could have said, oh my gosh, I struggled with depression. And then my boyfriend tried to kill himself and then blah, 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 blah. Or I can say, Hey, this is what I've been through. This is what I've learned. This is what I wish I knew when I was learning to heal. And that's what I'm going to write my book about. So that's the first piece is you got to have it make sense for them and make it, you know, written in a way where they can actually get a transformation from it instead of just, you know, entertainment or inspiration or something like that. The second piece in terms of, okay, why do I even need to write this book? That's the growth piece, right? So a book is a well, I'm going to say this differently. It's an easy thing to sell, but it's a hard thing to make money from because you don't have a ton of profit margin and you can't, you know, just jack up the prices because no one's going to buy a $30 book. So it's hard to make money from volume book sales, but instead what you need to do is think about how you can leverage the credibility of being an author to drive more sales in your business. So once you become an author, this magical thing happens overnight where your credibility and your legitimacy and your expert status just skyrocket. You could be the exact same person. You could have changed nothing about yourself or your abilities as a service provider. But the minute you publish a book, everything is going to get easier for you in terms of publicity opportunities, speaking gigs, clients, and things like that. So once your book is out, that's when we look at, okay, how do you leverage this? How can you get more publicity? How can you get more speaking gigs? How can you um, improve your outreach to clients? How can you use this in an Ascension model, you know, as a low ticket offer and then sending them up to a coaching client and things like that. And once you start to put it in that way, people go from saying, 
I don't have time to write a book. I'm growing a business. Like, what are you talking about? I can't take out time to write this thing. They go from that, which is understandable to, oh, I can't not do this because once I have a book, then these opportunities become easier. I stand out more. I can see the legitimate monetary ROI from this. And so not only can I have the impact by helping people and reaching people and sharing my story in a way that helps them, but I can also make some money from it and grow my business with it. Yeah, that, that's interesting. And I love how you framed it in the fact that you have to write it from a perspective of the reader getting the value out of the book. You know, it, I, I see a lot of correlations between writing a book and leveraging it for business and having a podcast and leveraging it for business. You know, that's what I do. I help people start podcasts and they instantly want to monetize. That's what they want. Just like people want to make money from writing a book. But a lot of the money that comes from podcasting and comes from writing a book, similarly, it's from leveraging your position as an authority on the topic that A, you're either talking about or B, that you're writing about. How are you more clear with that message? I mean, you were very clear in what you said, but how do, how from someone outside looking in, how can they get more, a stronger foundation in understanding that? So I'll walk you through a little flow chart that I have that I kind of use with people when I'm trying to convince them to write a book because I want to show them actually what some of the benefits are. Sure. So in terms of how this can grow your business, we're going to start right off at the bat. Your book launches, you have a great marketing strategy, PR campaign, launch team, all those things. You're going to make some money right off the bat with book sales. Probably not going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, but it's going to be something. Okay. Now you have this bestseller author status or even just an author status, you know, whatever that launch got you. First things first, makes getting publicity way easier. Literally just include the fact that you're an author in your pitch and people are going to be more inclined to have you on their show, assuming it's a relevant topic and things like that. From those publicity opportunities, you're going to get more awareness. You're going to get leads on your email list, which then you can nurture into course sales or whatever else you want to sell them. You're going to get coaching clients because people are going to hear your story and your message in a long form format. They're going to fall in love with you. They're going to go hunt you down on Instagram and send you a message and say, how can I work with you? So that publicity chain leads to more clients. Additionally, you're going to have the opportunity to stand out against your competitors. So if you are comparing two service providers, you know, two life coaches or two business coaches, for example, similar experience, similar testimonial, similar pricing, one of them has a book and one of them doesn't the chances of you as the client going with the person who has the book is a lot higher. You're also going to get higher quality clients because a lot of people, they're going to pick up your book before they spend $5,000 on a VIP day with you. And they're going to get kind of indoctrinated into your world and your method of thinking. So that when they do sit down with that VIP day for you, they're already going to know about how you work and kind of how you do things. So you don't have to like sell them on your system before you actually can help them. They're kind of already on board with that. The other thing that you can do with this, and this is how I was able to dramatically increase my business's revenue after my book came out, is about speaking gigs. So again, it's much easier to get a speaking gig when you are an author. And I went from speaking maybe two times a semester. I speak on, on college campuses mostly, so my brain works in semesters. But I went from speaking about two times a semester. I never left school, I guess. I just talk in semesters all the time. I love school. School is great. It's one of my favorite times. So There we go. Uh, but yeah, I went from speaking probably two times a semester for a huge range of fees, anywhere from like $150 to $4,000 to after my book came out, leveraging that credibility and speaking at 12 to 15 times a semester for a much more consistent rate of like minimum $2,000 up to $5,000. So basically what I'm trying to show with this is that your book is the starting point. And yes, you are going to make some money from book sales. And I'm not saying not to try to get book sales. 
But then how do you leverage that credibility to give yourself more opportunities, monetize those clients, bring people into your world um, and have fun with it in the process. I mean, selling a book, I think is a lot more fun than <laughs> trying to sell some other things. So that's kind of the flow chart of, of how this can really. You've never tried to sell my book, business. I guess. Cause <laughs> so I got about 150 <laughs> copies sitting over here at this bookshelf and ain't nobody want them. So I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Maybe I'm staying corrected, but I don't know. I think, I mean, like signed copies, I'm all for signed copies and like book signings and things like that. I don't know. I think it's, I feel better about trying to sell my book than like, hi, buy this, uh, I don't know, $27 mini course or buy this, whatever. I don't know. I like selling books, but I've been a book nerd my whole life. So maybe that's it. No, it's cool. But you know, I love writing. I'm one of the rare ones also that love to write. And it's one of those things that, you know, even back in high school, it, my inspiration came from Miss Loden, my high school English teacher, who I still love to this day. And I still talk to her every once in a while, just checked on her at the retirement home that she lives in today. Now I didn't talk to her today, but she lives there today. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I spoke to her. I mean, she was a massive influence on my life and she helped me embrace writing and English, not necessarily the language, but the, the course, the literature, everything that revolves around it was just in my wheelhouse. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's the creative side of things or what, but it's just something I always love to do so I can totally relate. But what I, I can't seem to wrap my head around is how to tell a story again in, in a compelling way. And what really interested me in, in talking to you is you wrote a book in dealing with trauma. And me personally, uh, whether I look at it or not, I'm 49 and I've uh, been, been through a little little trauma in those 49 years. Uh, but I've, I've debated writing this book and I tell this story because I'm sure there's other people that are listening that can relate but you sit back and you look at the trauma that you experienced, not you, but me personally, and you go, just like you mentioned earlier now, no one cares. No one wants to read about that. How do I write this? How do I put this together in a way that's going to provide value to a reader, but also in a way that doesn't come across as what I've so grossly labeled as pity porn? So, oh, all this happened to me. I'm such a victim. And here, everybody read how bad my life was. But look how great it is now. And mm -hmm. that's a tough balance. That's a tough way to, 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 to write. It's a tough message to share. You've shared that successfully. Give us some insight into how you did that. Yes. So there is a balance and there's kind of a timeline to healing that corresponds with your writing. So some people are like, okay, cool. I just survived domestic violence. I just got out of this relationship. I'm going to go write a book about it. And when you start to write while you're still traumatized, while you're still healing, you are going to get kind of that pity porn type of thing where you don't have a lot to say because you're still in it. You're like, oh my gosh, my life is horrible. And there's all these things wrong with me. And maybe there's some rainbow, some light at the end of the tunnel that I can work towards with this. That's a conversation you have with your best friends when you're like a bottle and a half into the wine, right? Those are the <laughs> conversations that happen then. The conversations that happen in your book, there has to be some resolution because you have to teach something. So the questions that I would ask someone who wants to write a memoir who, or who wants to talk about their trauma is, okay, what did you learn from this? What existential life lessons, what relationship lessons, whatever, what did you learn from this? What, what did you wish you knew? What would you want to tell yourself now that you are healed and you are on the other side of this and you have these tools and coping strategies and things like that? What would you talk to yourself about from five years ago, 10 years ago, whenever you were in the middle of this, what would you tell them? Um, and then also, how can you prevent this from happening for other people? So for me, just to make this a really concrete example, talking about my story and my book and things like that, 
my brief overview of my story was in high school, I really struggled with my mental health, you know, depression, anxiety, self-harm, body dysmorphia, kind of the whole gamut there. And I was also in a relationship with someone who was struggling with his mental health. And I took everything on my shoulders and I was like, I'm responsible for his life. I'm responsible for his happiness. I'm going to do whatever it takes, give him whatever he wants to keep him alive. That obviously didn't work out too well. Uh, He did attempt suicide. I was the one that called the cops on him to prevent it from happening. And that whole relationship is just steeped in trauma and all of these other mental health concerns. So if I would have tried to write a book my senior year of high school, it would have been horrible because I had nothing to say because I was still in the middle of that. But once I healed and once I worked through it, I was able to sit there and say, oh my gosh, there are so many other ways to heal that I didn't know about, that I had no idea existed. And so I went through this healing journey all on my own. I had no one. I had no professional support. I had no therapy. I had nothing because I was terrified of it and because it didn't work. But now that I have this knowledge and I have this expertise and this perspective, I can say, okay, this is what I wish I knew. This is what I want people who are currently in the position that I was five years ago to know so that they don't have to go through the same thing that I did. And when you approach writing from that idea of, okay, we're going to make sure no one else has to struggle like this. That's when you start to be able to take your story and turn it into something educational. The other thing that I'll say is that the reason you want to wait to write until you've really healed and really worked through whatever personal story you're talking about is because if you don't, sure, you may be able to put 50,000 words on paper. Like it might happen. You might be able to get to a final draft, but you're going to be holding so much of yourself back that the connection and the bridge between you and the reader isn't there. The lessons and the education, that's what makes the book transformational, but your story is what makes readers connect to you and relate to you and actually start and be able to absorb the lessons in the first place. So you have to be at a point where you can share those stories and go soul deep, like rip yourself open and pour it on paper, because that's going to build that bridge and connection and, and allow people to accept the lessons that you're writing about in your book. What happens if you go that deep and you still don't sell a book? Then you kind of got to ask yourself a couple things. Number one, do you need a marketing coach? Number two. <laughs> <laughs> I love how succinct your answers are. I mean, you are just spot on. It is just. Oh, well, you obviously you're not marketing the book, right? It's real simple. No, I don't know what else there is, but the other answer is you have to go into this with what's the goal of your book. So for me, the goal of my book was not to make a million dollars. I'll be clear. I have not made a million dollars with my book. My goal with my book was to change one trauma survivor's life. And that was it. Sure. I wanted to make a bestsellers list. Sure. I wanted to grow my business, but that was my goal. And it was actually really interesting because in my launch team, so before my book had even launched to the world, I had one of my launch team members who was a close personal friend of mine, write me this like multiple paragraph long Facebook comment about how my book changed her life and her perspective of herself and her trauma. And she understood everything that she was feeling and experiencing so much better. And I was like, that's it. I did it. Like, I don't care what happens in this launch now because I achieved my goal. Yeah. All of the writing, all of the tears, all of the research, all of that was worth it because I helped this one person. So if that's your goal is impact, then give away your book for free. Then talk on stage for free. Then get your message out there in the format of a bunch of pages stapled together. But if your goal is sales, then you got to do something different. But you have to be super, super clear on that so that you know what you're striving for and you know how to make decisions surrounding the marketing of your book. You know, I think as entrepreneurs, if a business owner is going to turn around and write a book to leverage it for additional credibility and be perceived as a, as a subject matter expert, I would think that the, the marketing side of things would be the focus as well. Not going to be a lot of 
a problem. There may be some. There may be some trauma that's in there that, that growing the business and what drove you to be an entrepreneur. Who knows what took place, right? But a lot of that, the goal is going to be leveraging the 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 book for a, a, a higher purpose, whether it's speaking or whether it's sales or whether it's growing your business or whether it's finding your ideal client. How does that marketing come into play? And is that part of what your, what, what, what do we call it? The book writing blueprint. Is that part of the blueprint that you have there? Yeah. So the book writing blueprint is strictly getting to final draft. So we are talking outlining, we're talking writing, and that's it. In the Aspiring Author Incubator, which is the larger program, we do talk about book marketing strategies uh, in the last module of the program. And again, how to grow your business with your book. But to give you a very clear answer, the most markety marketing strategy that I can think of for a book is a free plus shipping funnel. So I'm sure you've seen it. People like Russell Brunson does this a lot with his books where it's a Facebook ad to a landing page. The book is free and then you pay like 20 bucks for shipping. And it's basically a self-liquid. Sounds like <laughs> eBay back in the day. I know. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. I know. I mean, yeah. I'm, I don't know whether you get these types of ads. I get these ads for like swimsuits and leggings all the time where it's like free swimsuits. We have extra quantity, but shipping is like 35 bucks. And I'm like, no, that's that's not free. It's all anyway. over eBay every time. You, I, I quit going on eBay because of that. You get a 99 cent yep. something, but shipping's 25 bucks. I'm like, I'm out. Yep. This is silly. So go yes, ahead. I'm sorry. Absolutely. No, totally fine. Um, I went on that tangent myself. Yeah, so I'm just right there with it's you. Basically, it's basically a self-liquidating offer. And your goal with that is to break even on the front end. So that with your Ascension model, you know, upsells and things like that, as well as your email marketing nurture sequences, you sell them on courses or on coaching or on masterminds or things like that on the back end. That's a very, very... I don't want to say straightforward because I don't think anything in marketing is necessarily simple and straightforward, <laughs> but that's a very concise and clear way to understand, okay, from a marketing business growth perspective, sell your book, build a landing page, click funnels or not, self-liquidating offer, break even on ad spend. And then you have all of these people on your email list, essentially for free kind of, and then you can market to them and, you know, sell them whatever else you have in your business. Sure. Sure. I mean, that that's, especially today in a digital marketing space. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the map. That's the plan. That's it. They all look the exact same way. And in leveraging that plan, you've seen that as, as being the most successful way to market your book as well. You know, yes and no. So with that, I think it's a great way to market your book with the intention of getting core sales and clients from it. My most effective way of selling copies of my book has been through bulk book buys, which is a tongue twister of all get out, but um, through bulk buys with my speaking gigs. So when I get a speaking gig, I'll offer the event coordinator, hey, do you want to buy copies of my book to give away to attendees? And then they'll normally buy somewhere between like 15 and 100 copies of my book. So 50, 75 copies average over 12 to 15 gigs a semester. I'm selling hundreds of copies of my book over you know three months a year, well, three months times two a year. Um, and that's been a really effective way for me to make book sales. But if you are strictly looking for business growth, clients, core students, and things like that, I think that self-liquidating offer is a great way to go as well. No, oh, that's awesome. So the Aspiring Author Incubator, is, is that a course or is it an actual one-on-one? -on -one? Uh, do, do we work together or how do we how do we do that? Yes. So it's a course and group coaching program. It is not a one-on-one -on -one program. Uh, there's the video modules, there's the templates, there's all that stuff that you can work through at, the, at your own pace. And then we also have a Facebook group that I'm in every day. If you have questions, we have a live coaching call with me, not one of my coaches, but with me uh, every single month. We sometimes bring in guest experts. 
Um, and then I also do writing reviews every month. So you can submit a chapter or your prologue or your book description or whatever, and I'll go through it and leave a personalized video feedback. Uh, you know, hey, change this. What do you think about this? I don't like this part. What about this instead? Uh, so there's definitely ways to interact with me and get yourself in front of me, but it is not like a one-on-one coaching opportunity. So, and, and, and that leads me to the next thing is that you have a team that's involved in this. This, this isn't just you doing your thing, right? Yes, I do have a small team. Um, I don't currently have any coaches in my program. That's something I'm thinking of growing to. I have a big launch coming up at the time of recording. And so with the influx of students I'm hoping to get from that, we may need to bring on someone to support. But yeah, I mean, I think business is tons of fun. I think it's way more fun when you have people to do it with you, whether that's contractors or mentors or employees. So, hey, I say go for it as many people as you can. Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. That's awesome. Well, Jesse, tell everybody where they can find out more about you, find out more about your courses and, and everything about writing a book and let them work with you. Absolutely. So I am on Instagram at Jesse Byer International. I have recently dived into reels. So if you want some humor and really bad dancing, come hang out with me on Instagram. Uh, and then my website is Jesse Byer International has all the information about my different programs. That is so cool, man. You know, I, I don't do much with reels, but my wife and I, we have fallen into the void that is TikTok. And we talk every night, not talk, not, not carry on covers. We talk, we, we jump on the talk. She goes to bed at nine o'clock. I usually stay up a lot later. Right. So what ends up happening is we go in there and I'll lay down with her and we'll watch TikTok for about an hour. And that's our nightly routine. Then she'll go night, night. And then I'll come back in here and I'll go back to do my work and everything's everything. But we spend about an hour together every night watching TikTok. And I got to tell you, man, we laugh and we just have the most fun that we've ever had in our lives watching these silly videos. So I mean, I commend you for it. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the things that you can bond over, right? There's some awesome creatives on these platforms. Oh, there really are, man. Of course, dog videos. We got to watch the dog videos, the dogs of TikTok. It's a great hashtag. Check it out, everybody. If you're listening and you love your dogs, go out there and watch some dogs of TikTok. You will laugh and laugh and laugh. But if you want to write and write and write, Jesse Byers is the person to get in contact with. So everybody, please go out pay Jesse a visit. Check it out. If you want to write a book, I think this is the perfect opportunity for you to get involved. Put your words to paper and leverage that, man, to grow your business, to find your ideal readers, your ideal listeners, if you have a podcast to go with it. And of course, the goal that we all have is finding our ideal clients. And Jesse Byers will help you do exactly that. So everybody, thank you once again for listening to this awesome episode. And I'll talk to you again next week. See ya.